0: Luke 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, It was about the same time that Augustus Caesar sent out an order to all people in the countries that were under Roman rule. The order said that everyone's name must be put on a list. This was the first counting of all the people while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone traveled to their own hometowns to have their name put on the list. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea it was known as the town of David joseph went there because he was from the family of David joseph registered with mary because she was engaged to marry him and she was now pregnant while joseph and mary were in bethlehem the time came for her to have the baby she gave birth to her first son she wrapped him up well and laid him in a box where cattle are fed She put him there because the guest room was full. That night some shepherds were out in the fields near Bethlehem watching their sheep. And an angel of Yahweh, an angel of the Lord, appeared to them. And the glory of Yahweh was shining around them. The shepherds were very afraid. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I have some very good news for you. News that will make everyone happy. Today your Savior was born in David's town. He is the Messiah. The Master. This is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in pieces of cloth and lying in a feeding box. Then a huge army of angels from heaven joined the first angel, and they were all praising the Almighty, saying, Praise the Almighty in heaven, and on earth let there be peace to the people who please him. The angels left the shepherds and went back to heaven. The shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this great event Yahweh has told us about. So they went running and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the feeding box. When they saw the baby, they told what the angel said about this child. Everyone was surprised when they heard what the shepherds told them. Mary continued to think about these things, trying to understand them. The shepherds went back to their sheep praising the Almighty and thanking Him for everything they had seen and heard it was just as the angel had told them Yahweh bless His word to our hearts beautiful absolutely beautiful text of scripture I did not expect to teach this message when I started preparing my sermons for this new series on Christmas I'm always open to change I admit I don't have everything right You need to admit the same. None of us have everything right. I'm always open to change, but sometimes things slap you in the face out of nowhere. And we have to always stay open to truth, no matter how firm we are in the current position. Uh, Let me say here at the beginning, and I mentioned this in our Bible study class today, I still do not believe that anybody knows for certain when the Messiah was born. People ask me, when do you believe that Yeshua was born? And I always answer, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, and my answer is still the same. I think if you talk with anybody that is honest and serious about the subject, that they'll tell you the same. But, after more study this particular year, I no longer believe that the December 25th date the date, I want to stress that, the date, was chosen in an attempt to hijack or reinterpret paganism. Now let me explain in the rest of my sermon. Here in Luke's birth narrative, there is nothing about a date for the birth of the Messiah, whether on a Hebrew or a Roman calendar. We do get a time statement in verse 2 about Quirinius was the governor of Syria, but that does not help us with a specific date. We do get this statement in verse 8 that there were shepherds in that region around Bethlehem. And they were out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. We just read it momentarily ago. Some of the older commentators use verse 8 here in Luke 2 as proof against a late December or middle of winter birth. For example, Adam Clark and John Gill, Methodist and Baptist, They both say that the flocks were kept out in the open fields at night, beginning at Passover and ending with the first rains of the autumn season around October or November. Adam Clark says that on this ground, the nativity in December should be abandoned or given up. And I've heard a lot of people in the Torah community, including myself at one time, use this verse to say that it's impossible that the Messiah could have been born in December or January in the winter time. However, as with so many subjects, there are other scholars that point out that this is not conclusive. They say and point out to us that the weather in and around Bethlehem, southern Israel, which is akin to southern Georgia, south of where we're at right here, It would be cool in December, but it wouldn't be a crazy rain, snow, or blizzard season. And they point out that it rains on average about 12 days in December, which leaves about 19 dry days. And the weather can be in the 40s, sometimes even in the 50s at night. They go on to say that the shepherds of old would not care what we might think is cold. One extensive paper that I've read, I believe the author was K.R. Harriman, a Christian scholar, He speaks of this man that was known as the Shepherd Boy of Galilee. And this Shepherd Boy of Galilee, in modern day times, talks about how members of his tribe that lived in southern Israel kept their sheep out in the open fields all winter long, as long as it wasn't storming or snowing. Another scholar in a book that I have called The Chronological Aspects of the Life of Christ, Mr. Harold Honer, he mentions that in the Mishnah, It implies that sheep around Bethlehem are outside all year long, even in the month of February, which is one of the, if not the, coldest and rainiest months of the year in Israel. We really can't conclusively say anything against a winter birth based on Luke chapter 2 verse 8. But still, no specific date is given in Luke chapter 2. You know, Yahweh is not bashful about giving dates in scripture. I want you to look or think about all the commanded festivals in the Bible. Specifically, Leviticus 23 and Deuteronomy 16, among other places. And in the Gospels, we know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know that the Messiah died at Passover time. Why? Because the Gospel authors tell us it was Passover time. John 19.14 says it was the preparation for the Passover when he was being crucified. We know for sure that the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. Why? Because Luke tells us it was poured out on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. What's missing in the birth narratives in Matthew and Luke is any reference to the date of the Messiah's birth. It's just not there. You can look at it forwards, backwards, sideways, Greek, English, KJV, message, and the date is not there. It's just not there. I know a lot of people want it to be there. The Christians want it. To be December 25th. A lot of the Messianic Hebrew root people. Want it to be Tishri 15th. The first day of Tabernacles. I'm telling you. It's not there. You won't find either one of those dates. As forthgiving as Holy Scripture is. On specific dates. If the date of the Messiah's birth. Was so important for us to know. Yahweh would have inspired. Matthew or Luke. Or somebody. To tell us when it was. He would have. So. Why is it that people think Yeshua was born on December 25th? Well, some Christians say we don't really know when he was born. But that's the date we choose to celebrate. This group of Christians will go on to explain that they acknowledge that the Christians borrowed the winter solstice, the rebirth of the sun from the pagans, mm-hmm. and they turned it into something righteous. And these Christians that you'll talk to don't find a problem with that. They reason that it's okay to take something bad and turn it into good. That's one group of people, lay people. Other Christians will say, no, our tradition actually goes back to December 25th. Uh, That's the date for the birth of Christ because it's been handed down to us from the early church. The church fathers base the date on specific calculation and these particular Christians will tell you that the date doesn't have anything to do with rebranding pagan practice. These two theories in theology uh, among scholars are called the history of religions theory. That's the idea that Christmas is completely borrowed from pagan practice. And then you have the calculation theory. And you'll find scholarship for both theories. Which one is true? Is there a mixture of both of them? Is either true. Is there a way for us to know, could the Messiah have been born on December 25th of the then-Julian calendar? This is interesting. When I got to looking at this and talking with some professors and scholars over the last couple of weeks, the first mention of a proposed date for the birth of the Messiah is from the pre-Nicene church father, Clement of Alexandria. Now, This is found in his writing called the Stromata, book 1, chapter 21. And here Clement writes right around the year 200 A.D. So we're only looking at about 170 years after the time that the Messiah lived. And Clement writes this, From the birth of Christ, therefore to the death of Commodus, Commodus was the last emperor in his day, are in all 194 years, one month and 13 days. And there are those who have determined not only the year of our Lord's birth, but also the day. And they say that it took place in the 28th year of Augustus, and in the 25th day of Pachon. Others say that he was born on the 24th or 25th day of Farmuthi. Now, Pachon and Farmuthi are names of Egyptian months. And the reason Clement is using the names of Egyptian months is because Clement lived in Alexandria, Egypt. So he's talking about months on the Egyptian calendar. As a matter of fact, Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, mentions in his Antiquities 2 14 and 6. He mentions the month of Farmuth or Farmuthi, and he talks about how that, that month overlaps the month of Abib, the month of Nisan, in the spring. Farmuthi is the eighth month on the Egyptian calendar, but the 24th or 25th day of Farmuthi corresponds to approximately April 19th or 20th on the then Julian calendar. The month of Pakon, the 25th day of Pakon, Pakon is not another name for December, But it's the ninth month on the Egyptian calendar, and the 25th day of Pakon corresponds to about May the 20th on the Julian calendar of that time. So Clement of Alexandria gives us evidence that some early Christians believed that Yeshua was born in the springtime, after Passover, but before Pentecost, late April to late May. What's interesting, and keep an eye out on my YouTube channel this week, and I'll post a Interview that I did with a scholar from uh, Yale and then another college in Fairfield, Connecticut, where he talks about that this text in Clement may not be a reference to people uh, trying to calculate or figure when the birth or the nativity of the Messiah is, but that the Greek word behind this translation here, Genesis, might refer to the conception of the Messiah, when he was conceived in the womb of his mother. So that's a possibility. That's that's the earliest record that we have of anybody talking about when the Messiah was born. Notice this is 200 A.D., so we're talking about 170 years after the time of the Messiah. We finally get somebody talking about when he was born. That's because, as I mentioned in earlier sermons, no Christian in the first century or second century kept anything akin to what we would call Christmas today. There is a church father in the early 3rd century who may have recorded December 25th as the birth date of Christ. His name is Hippolytus, Hippolytus of Rome. There is a questionable text that he wrote from his commentary on the book of Daniel, chapter 2. I have it at the house. Some translations of this text read like this. For the first appearance of our Lord in the flesh took place in Bethlehem under Augustus in the year 5500. Other translations of this text, based on other manuscripts, read, For the first advent of our Lord in the flesh when he was born in Bethlehem, eight days before the calends of January, the fourth day of the week, while Augustus was in his 42nd year, but from Adam, 5,500 years. Scholars debate these readings, but there are indeed some who see that phrase eight days before the calends of January to be the authentic reading. Counting back inclusively from January the 1st arrives at December the 25th on the Julian calendar of the days of Hippolytus. December 25th at that time was the popular date for the winter solstice. At one time on the Julian calendar, it actually was the winter solstice date, but the Julian calendar had a problem where it backed up about one day every hundred years, and so eventually the solstice ended up on December the 21st. Here's where it gets interesting. Who borrowed from who? Hippolytus' work dates to the early 200s. But it's not until the late 200s that we have a reference to a festival called Sol Invictus. Sol Invictus means the unconquerable sun, S-U-N. It's not until the late 200s that we have reference to this festival in Rome on December 25th. There was an emperor named Aurelian. Emperor Aurelian instituted this particular pagan festival in 274 A.D. And it later shows up on a calendar in 354 A.D. Some scholars argue that the Romans may have instituted their festival to combat the Christian view of Christ being born at the time of the winter solstice. The popular theory that we hear is that the Christians borrowed the date from the Romans. And there are scholars that believe that. However, there are other scholars that believe the opposite happened, that Christians were already presenting this date, the winter solstice, as the date for the birth of Christ, and that Aurelian copied the Christians in order to combat what was taking place in Christianity. There are also early Christian writings that show some Christians believe that Christ was conceived in the womb of Mary at the time of the spring equinox This is seen in the writings of Hippolytus of Rome, an anonymous writing called De Pascha Computus, which you see that word Pascha, which is Greek for Passover. That's a writing that calculates Passovers. That talks about Christ's conception. Both of those first two are written early 200s, and then we have the writings of Augustine of Hippo. He wrote early 400s AD. Now this belief among some Christians that Christ was conceived at the time of the spring equinox was based upon the Christian belief that prophets or holy men died on the same date that they were conceived. They reckoned Yeshua's death to be March 25th on the Julian calendar, which at that time was the popular date for the spring equinox. So some say that his conception was on March 25th, the same day that the world began. A lot of early Christians believe the world began on March 25th. Some Christians believe that Yeshua was conceived on March 28th. Why? Because they believe that the sun, S-U-N, was created on the fourth day in Genesis chapter 1 and that the sun in the sky, when it was created, would have been a beautiful time for the son of righteousness to be conceived in the womb of uh, Miriam. So they saw the creation of the world, or the sun, as a backdrop for the conception of the Christ, the Son of God. If they believed his conception in the womb of Mary took place around March 25th, the way they reasoned was about nine months later would be around December 25th, the popular date for the winter solstice. This is what is meant by the calculation theory, and scholars, some scholars tout it as evidence against the history of religion's theory. These earlier Christians, prior to the legalization of Christianity in Rome, they were very much against pagan practice. I don't know if anybody remembers a couple of weeks back where I showed some quotes from Tertullian in the 200s, where Tertullian rebuked some of his Christians for putting wreaths on their door for Saturnalia. So a lot of these early Christians, they didn't go along with paganism. They often suffered bodily persecution for their beliefs from pagans. It was not until mid to late 4th century when Christianity became the official religion of Rome after the time of Emperor Constantine that the persecution started to die down. So the dating of Christ's birth on December 25th beginning early 3rd century would not have stemmed from Christians trying to adopt pagan customs and rebrand them. They got the date from making calculations based upon what they believed about the conception of Christ. These early Christians viewed Christ's conception at the spring equinox and his birth at the winter solstice as a sign of increasing light. And they would quote a text from the prophet Malachi. In Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 it says, But to you who fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in its wings. Now I remember one time I was reading my Bible with my granddaddy in his living room and we had the old King James and I said... Granddaddy, have you ever noticed that it said the S-U-N of righteousness? Because he said, shall the son of righteousness arise? And he, in his mind, he thought it said S-O-N. And he would say, with healing in his wings. But the KJV doesn't say that. It says the S-U-N of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. So this is an Old Testament Hebrew prophet that is prophesying about the Messiah. And he's calling the Messiah... The S-U-N of righteousness. And he's basing that, I believe, off of Genesis 1. The calendar, the sun and the sky. So early Christians would quote this text. The days and the nights are equal at the spring equinox, but the light of the sun begins to increase after the spring equinox to where the days last longer than the nights. At the winter solstice, the day is the shortest it will be all year. We're almost there to the winter solstice now. It's the shortest day and the longest night of the year. After the winter solstice, guess what? The day starts to increase up until the time of the spring equinox when days and nights are equal in length. Some Christians would actually quote John the Baptizer's statement here in John 3 verse 30 where John said, He must increase and I must decrease. Some Christians would quote that to go along with the calculation theory. They believe that John the Baptizer was conceived at the fall equinox in the womb of Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1 when the days started to get shorter. They believe John the Baptizer was born around the summer solstice when the days started to get shorter. And vice versa for Yeshua. He was conceived at the spring equinox when the days started to get longer, born at the winter solstice when light started to come back into the picture and the days begin to get longer now all this is interesting this is very historical there is nothing in scripture that sets any of this in concrete all of this is what early Christians discussed and what some of them believed we don't read any of this in the birth narratives of the gospel of Matthew or Luke Okay, I'm just trying to be honest with the evidence that is available to us today The December 25th date for the birth of Christ is a possibility, but it's not a surety. We can't know for sure as these early Christians were speculating in their calculations. I don't think, based on the evidence that we have, that the date, I don't think the date was put forth in the early 200s in Christianity due to a desire to adopt pagan practice. It was chosen based upon a calculation theory from when the conception in the womb of Mary was thought to have taken place, spring equinox, nine months later to winter solstice. Now, we have to keep this in mind. There is nothing that is pagan about the winter solstice in and of itself. See, a lot of people from the Hebrew Roots Movement, they talk about the winter solstice like it's some kind of a god and they're scared to death of it. It is a natural occurrence in the heavens by the S-U-N sun. You have four turning points in the sun's path, spring equinox, summer solstice, fall equinox, and winter solstice. As a matter of fact, I think that the first three, spring equinox, summer solstice, and fall equinox, are tied to the major three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, So I think they're turning points in the calendar. But there's nothing pagan about the equinoxes and the solstices in and of themselves. Pagans have surely used them for their worship and their service. Pagans have also used the full moon and the new moon for their worship and service. That don't make the full moon and the new moon pagan, brothers and sisters. It doesn't make it pagan at all. Uh, This is based upon Genesis 1, 14 through 19 and the path of the sun in the sky. So, these Christians said, What if the Almighty caused this Messiah to be born in Bethlehem at the time on the heavenly calendar when the light begins to overtake the darkness? Some Christians found this quite plausible based on calculation. Now, this is where it's going to make the hair stand up on the neck of Messianic Hebrew root people when I say this, but I'm going to say it because I don't really care. I even believe that between the two dates of December 25th and the first day of Sukkot on Tishri 15th, the December 25th date is more likely than Tishri 15. I don't think any, either one of them can be proven, but I think the late December date is more likely than the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now... I talked about my rejection of the tabernacle's date when I remarked on the census mentioned in Luke 2, 1 through 5 in my first sermon. I talked about it in our Bible study class as well. I believe that Luke 2, 1 through 5 conclusively shows that Yeshua's birth did not take place on a pilgrim feast of Yahweh. I think it's impossible that it took place on a pilgrim feast of Yahweh. And a December 25th date is away from the appointed festivals. Once again, this does not prove the December 25th date I'm just saying I believe it's more likely than the Tishri 15 date. Here's what may have happened. The earliest evidence for an actual festival commemorating Christ's birth on December 25th comes from an early calendar dated to mid-4th century, right between 336 to 354 A.D. It's called the chronograph of 354, sometimes called the Philocalian calendar. The festival the Christian festival that's mentioned in this calendar was not called Christmas. That didn't come till later in the medieval period. It was called the Festival of the Nativity of Our Lord. It is possible, listen carefully, this is very important, it is very possible that the first Christians, the earliest Christians who ever decided to celebrate a feast for the Nativity of the Messiah, did so quite simply. Not with Christmas trees, not with wreaths, not with greenery, not with Santa Claus, not with a Mariah Carey song. But they celebrated it simply by gathering together on the day they believed he was born. They had a meal, they sang some hymns, they had a prayer, and that was it. As time progressed, this is what I think happened, as time progressed and Christianity moved away from persecution the pagan activities of the Romans and other cultures throughout the remainder of history up until present day gradually mixed with the festival of the Lord's birth. And the end result is Christmas. And like I said in my last sermon in part two, Christmas is a combination of scriptural truths with practices that have pagan vestiges and some of them that are not pagan are just modern worldly customs. Like the Miraculous Carey song, right? (laughs) If we knew when our Messiah was born and we chose to hold a feast in honor of His birth by gathering together, singing songs about His birth, reading the birth narratives, and if we did not use it as a substitute for the commanded feasts, it wouldn't be any different than Hanukkah or Purim. Hanukkah and Purim were instituted by Israelites, not as substitutes for the commanded feasts. They continued to keep the commanded feasts, but they kept Purim in memory of what? how that, What Haman wanted to do to the Jews got reversed, and they got to fight back. They kept Hanukkah, why? Memory of the temple and the city being restored. Those were memorials of great events in Israel's history. They didn't say we're going to keep these now and substitute... Of the commanded feast, and they didn't say we're going to borrow from the customs of the surrounding nations and put them in Hanukkah or put it in Purim. Kind of like some people do today with the Hanukkah bush. One guy, Saul, wrote a song about Hanukkah. He said, If your great granddad saw that Hanukkah bush, you wouldn't get no presents, just a pat on the tush. <laughs> because he said, Hanukkah is not what it used to be, because the Jews got jealous of the Christmas tree. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. I mean, a lot of times, you know, Jewish children celebrate Hanukkah, Messianic children celebrate Hanukkah, and they don't even know what it's about. And they pretty much turn it into a commercialization, okay? Which is the same thing that's happened with, with Christmas today. And that's the problem. Christians who celebrate Christmas today mix questionable customs that have nothing to do with the birth of Christ, with scriptural practice, and then they dismiss the commanded feast days. So I believe that traditional Christianity has taken it too far in the wrong direction. Where when they celebrate, it's no longer even about the birth of the Lord. That's right. At the same time, many in the Torah community, the Messianic, Hebrew roots, whatever you want to call it. Now, now some people are calling it pro Christians. It doesn't matter what you call it. The Torah community, people that believe we keep Yahweh's law and serve Him. Many people in the Torah community have taken it too far in the opposite wrong direction. And this is why there is absolutely nothing wrong with reading the birth narratives of the Messiah at any time of the year. I just read Luke 2, 1-20 through 20, to open this service. And I don't know what today's date is. I know it's the full moon, second Sabbath of the tenth moon. But it's somewhere in December. We're getting close to Christmas. I read Luke 2, 1-20, through 20, not because I believe that the Messiah was born today, but because I love the story, the account of the birth of the Messiah. I rejoice with the shepherds. I rejoice with the angels. I'm thankful that my Messiah was born. <laughs> That's a beautiful text. Wonderful text. There's nothing wrong with reading that birth narrative now or any time of the year. And there's nothing wrong with singing songs about the Messiah's birth. I could sing, O Come Emmanuel. I could sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And the Torah terrorist clause will come out. Matthew's celebrating Christmas now. But if I sing a song about the resurrection of the Messiah, they don't, they don't say nothing. If I sing a song about the death of the Messiah, no matter what time of the year it is, they don't say nothing. But the birth, no, we can't sing about the birth of the Messiah. That's not right. That's going too far in the other direction. People get all triggered when you mention stuff like that in the Torah community. Even me in this message mentioning the December 25th date as a possible calculation theory in early Christianity is going to make some people's claws come out. But I cannot care. When Yahweh called me to be a preacher, He didn't call me to preach to appease anybody, whether it be traditional Christians or the Torah community. You heard of equal opportunity offenders? I guess that's what I am. I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't preach. One man told me one time, he says, if you love to offend people, don't be a preacher. What he meant was, you should, that, a man with that kind of attitude that just loves to make offense shouldn't be a preacher. He said, but if you hate to offend people, don't be a preacher. Because if you preach the truth, when you see it, you preach just the truth. And you don't care. People are going to be offended. So you've got to have some kind of thick skin i got people jumping all over my case right now. But I can't let it bother me. Hallelujah, anyhow. I can't let it bother me. Uh, I, I just go with the evidence. I try to stay with the evidence the best that I can. So I do not believe any longer that the date, not necessarily the customs, but the date, I think that early Christianity chose it because they were trying to calculate when the Messiah was going to be born based upon his conception in the womb of Mother Mary. As time progressed, I think customs began to do just like this. And thus we have today uh, so many things that go on at this time of the year that have this much right here to do with the birth of the Lord (laughs) right here. Now, I'll close today with a hymn about the birth of the Messiah. I love the birth narratives. I'm glad He was born. According to Luke chapter 2, the angel from heaven pronounced good news. He said, Behold, I bring you good news and great joy which shall be for the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Master. Amen. And you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. I like this one says, a box that you feed the animals in because there was no room for him in the guest room. Your Bible probably says in, but it wasn't a hotel. We see it on the plays, don't we, where Joseph and Mary show up. She's in labor. They knock on the hotel door, and the guy comes out and says, Sorry, we ain't got no room at the hotel, Hotel Bethlehem. (laughs) It wasn't a hotel. It It was a house, and there was no room in the guest chamber because everybody was there for the census, and so they took him to the probably attached, either a cave, some people believe, or a room that was attached where they kept the animals, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and she laid him there in a feeding trough and as Brother TJ has been teaching us in Isaiah 53, wasn't a noble birth. Wasn't a great you, you know where you'd normally think you'd lay a king when they were born. But we serve we serve a humble Messiah even from his beginnings. After traveling to see the baby Yeshua, the shepherds returned to their post, and the Bible says they were glorifying and praising the Almighty for all they had seen and heard. So I want to sing this hymn. I'll close out with this hymn today, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. If you know it, you can sing with me.
1: Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, Oh, come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold Him, Born the king of angels. O come let us adore him. O come let us adore him. O come let us adore him. Christ the Lord. The next verse says. Sing choirs of angels. Sing in exaltation. O sing all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to Yah. Glory in the highest. O come let us adore. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord.